Okay, welcome back to my uh, podcast, and today I'm going to be doing another mental health episode, and I am back here with Johnny today, and today we're going to be talking about mental health and how it affects, not we're talking about uh, social media and how it affects teenagers. So the first question I wanted to ask Johnny is, uh, is social media a stressful and unreliable relief for teens? I don't it's a relief like like a uh, unreliable relief for teens like uh teenagers go on it they like they expect to go on the on social okay. media and uh expect to get like some sort of relief out of it but yeah you don't know if like it fully benefits them or not well so i recently read this book called dopamine nation and the entire premise of the book was talking about how addictions ultimately harm us and social media for most people is an addiction um and what happens in people who use social media a lot is that you become desensitized to it so like at first you know it's interesting and fun but then eventually and then it, it releases dopamine in your brain, which is the reward chemical and what keeps us coming back to things. It's why we, it release, it's released when we eat and do things that help us. It's what makes us feel good. And it's essentially, it's the motivation chemical. And But what happens when a lot of dopamine is released on a consistent basis, say using social media, is that in order that your brain compensates. So it's like, oh, we're getting this big, big flood of dopamine all the time. We're going to get used to that. And it, it's there's there's a, basically a neurotransmitter seesaw. So when the dopamine side goes up, um, your brain then crashes down. It, it puts in little, what the author calls in this book, gremlins on the other side to make sure that the seesaw balances. That if you're constantly getting this dopamine stim, uh, stimulation from social media, that your brain will put little gremlins on the other side, which is generally negative emotions like craving or depression and anxiety um, in order to create what's known as homeostasis or some sort of equilibrium in the brain. And what happens with social media and like any other addiction is our it, it's addictive because it releases dopamine. So we keep wanting to do it, but then our brain keeps putting more gremlins on the other side. So when we're not using it, we actually feel worse about ourselves and more anxious and distracted. Uh, our attention spans are shorter. Um, and then when we use it, we feel normal. It's not a high anymore. It's not a relief. So I think a lot of the, the relief it can provide and then the passing of hours, you know, on something like TikTok um, is ultimately just satiating an addiction and is making us feel normal and not making us feel good. And what was causing the problem in the first place, a lot of the times, is the addiction to social media itself. So um, I think in its most idealistic form as, like, you know, a means of seeing what friends are up to and as a means of communication, it's fine. But the problem is it's so addictive and well-designed that it becomes a problem for, I think, most people who use it and is ultimately harmful. But let's say, like, somebody has depression, like, before um, they go into social media, and it's not really, like, a 
the the social media isn't like a root or like the cause of their uh, depression or like their anxiety or their mental health disorders. Do you think them like going to social media for that is like solving it? Do I think social media cures depression? <laughs> Do you think it helps them cope with it? Um. I think for most people, no. However, um, online communities are a real thing, and people who maybe don't feel connected to people around them can find some solace in online communities. And that, I think, ultimately can help people. However, I think that turning to social media generally is harmful for depression because one it creates a new reward pathway so it's essentially a new addiction it's like does smoking cigarettes help anxiety uh maybe for 10 minutes and then afterwards uh you feel worse and you just have a nicotine addiction and then you're constantly buzzed does drinking coffee make you more energetic uh kind of but then when you wake up, you feel like absolute dog shit, and you have to drink like three cups of coffee today to feel normal, like I've done in my life. Um, and so, yeah, I think it can help some people, but it's it's tricky because it's so isolating, which is very bad for depression. Like when you're on social media, yeah, you're communicating with people, but it's not the same as being in a room with someone and it's it can be addictive you can get addicted to likes you can get addicted to scrolling and that is ultimately harmful um the second question i had was should social media be limited to to the teens that are struggling with understanding social concepts whoa can you explain that like if Teenagers are, like, struggling with, like, understanding, like, something about, like, a sensitive topic in today's society. Should they rely on somebody, let's say, their favorite TikTok star to explain that to them? Can you get... Okay, I get it. Can you give me a specific example? Okay, I don't mean to get, like, too sensitive into this, but, like... Let's get real weird. <laughs> let's, let's piss some people off. Let's get canceled. <laughs> but, like, when, let's say, if, like, Christianity, like, if somebody doesn't, like, I don't know how to, like, word this or, like, explain this, but if somebody, like, wants to, like, cancel somebody, like, if somebody wants to cancel white culture, cancel culture, like, should they just rely on somebody who's very opinion-based to do that? Or just doesn't really have the full facts. I think you kind of answered your question there with that last thing. Someone doesn't have the full facts. Social media stars like anyone are just entertainers. Um, and I think in this current world we live in, we rely often on entertainers for our opinions. And there is a... There's a lack of trust and expertise 
and there's often more of a trust in entertainers. I think you can see that in a lot of different cases. Like, uh, we elected Donald Trump to be president. He was an entertainer before he was president, among other things, but he had one of the highest rated shows on TV. And he didn't have a ton of political experience, um, but people liked the way he talked. He entertained them. And that's kind of how we get elected. And on the other side, you know, you have people in Hollywood. I should say, okay, you have like celebrities um, kind of espousing their liberal values um, on social media and having their followers like listen to them. And, you know, celebrities are just people like anyone else. They're not experts in the fields they often talk about. They just kind of say things they believe. And people trust them because they're entertainers. And I, I generally try to... If I, if I need to think about something, I'll just Google, Google it. And if someone with enough credentials says something that makes sense to me i'll believe it i tend not to go to social media to understand nuanced issues in fact that's generally social media is not a place for nuance yeah i just put another attaching myself to that of something that you said earlier like just because you feel like you understand like a celebrity or you feel like you're close to a celebrity you can relate to them doesn't mean that they know everything or that they know a lot about how to live life and uh just how to rule it and politically just involve themselves around others i don't know how to put it but they're not just because they know how to like be an entertainer they know how to create content doesn't mean that they should be someone that you should go to to rely for political statements. Oh, yeah, 100%. So um, the next question was, how should teens with emotional needs cope around a subject that's sensitive uh, in today's society? Uh, can, can you be more specific? <laughs> I know that's kind of the theme of this podcast, but I need... Yeah. Um... So let's say if um, people in the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. and then quit people that are in the Christian community, like, try to bring Christianity onto them and it's kind of hard for them to deal with it. And, like, not even just Christianity, but, like, their parents and, like, people around them are just trying to say, hey, why are you gay and stuff like that, but... Like, how do you, it's not just the LGBTQ communities, like other communities as well. Like, how do you think they should cope with things like that? Okay. Um, And how how is this related to social media or is this just a different question? I mean, it's, I was thinking about social media when I tied it into this, considering that I'm... I feel like a lot of social media stars 
relate or influence others to be gay. And Okay. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm going to talk, I actually had a thought about the previous question for a second. I'm going to tie it into this answer, or I'm going to try. Social media, I think, is really good, not for nuanced opinion, but for personal stories. So, and and that, it can help inform your worldview. Because you're able to learn about other people's stories who you don't see in your day-to-day life. And that has a way, I think, of informing one's worldview as well as, you know, articles and statements from from experts. And I think that's where social media excels, especially, you know, things like podcasting and really, really any sort of long-form personal expression. Uh, tying to this question... Can you, can you read the question one more time? Uh, how should teens with emotional needs cope around a subject that's sensitive in today's society? It doesn't have to be like LGBTQ, but it could be anything along the lines of social media and just topics like Black Lives Matter and other just big topics in social media. Okay. Well, generally, I think social media is not a great place to talk about sensitive issues. Just... Maybe maybe it is the place to talk about sensitive issues. I personally don't think it's great for that because a lot of people are going to come with anonymity and attack people for what they think, no matter what you say, or for what if you say something around a sensitive topic, um, you're just going to get a bunch of like people agreeing with you, which is also cool, but it, it's not a place for... I think nuance, which is what I was saying before. So I think for navigating sensitive subjects, it really in any regard, uh, it's important to come from a place of respect and tolerance. And that's not what social media seems to excel at. And see, it seems pretty bad at that just because of, I think, anonymity. Um, so I think when discussing sensitive topics with anybody, Maybe not to- tolerance to an extent, but respect. and Because other people believe things and have radically life- different life experiences from you, and they believe things for, for reasons you might not understand or relate to because of experiences they've had that you don't relate to. And I think when you come from a place of respect, you can gain a lot... You, you will gain a lot more ground in your discussion than if you come from a place of hostility. Uh, yeah, sensitive subjects are hard, but the internet's often not the place... Social media is not often the place for it, but in-person discussions are generally pretty good if you guys... Guys as a term for all people. Um really do want to learn what the other person has to say and you respect each other as human beings. I know this is all very general, but 
that's how I approach topics of sensitivity with other people, not online, in person, and with a decent amount of respect. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Just, it's hard to base life decisions if you don't have normal conversations with people and base it all off of opinions and um, just kind of impulsive statements off this off the internet if if you have a, like just like a stressful situation or just don't feel comfortable with something um especially if it is caused by the social media just go to a family member just somebody that knows at least somewhat of a some somewhat has somewhat of a knowledge core around the topic and just talk to them and see if they can help you with it mm-hmm so the the next question is what strongly influences teens to keep using social media after uh, something stresses them out? I think it's just that addictive cycle. It's not teens, it's everybody. I think teens are especially susceptible to it because they grew up more with it. I'm sort of on that cusp of a millennial and Gen Z where I didn't have social media till I was in high school. I didn't have a smartphone till I was 18. I was a late guy for that. But um, they grew up with it and they're more used to it. So those, those neural pathways and those connections that make you used to it and get you addicted to it were started younger. So they use it more... What was the question? The question was, what strongly influences teens to keep using social media after a stressful situation, whether it be at home, at school, or anywhere? I think that's because it, because it is, it, it, it feels good, it, and it is addictive. And then when you are addicted to something, when you feel bad, you want to go to that addiction because you know it'll make you feel better, even if it ultimately, I think, is can be harmful i'm not saying it's inherently harmful but ultimately it is and social media is just so well designed like dude tiktok's crazy man uh i've never seen something grow that quickly yeah it's grow that quickly and it's so so addictive it's very similar to i think drugs in the way of it the fiendish use of it okay there's two more questions left the this question is, should parents get involved in the child's social media, like, if they're having issues, um, should they take it away, and how does it impact them negatively, and if so, how should they do this? Jeez, oh, I don't know if you'd, as a parent, you'd really get very far trying to take something away from a kid. <laughs> Especially, like, with phones and internet, that's... Yeah, that's a, that seems like a real struggle, I think, for parents, um... Especially that a lot of parents, especially ones, parents that had a late children, they have a hard time like grasping onto the idea of social media and how it affects kids. And they didn't, you know, they grew up with what, MySpace and uh, <laughs> just talking to friends over the phone and meeting them in person. They don't know how social media works. Yeah. Or they're like old people on Facebook. And... Dude, I don't know. If, I guess I'll say if I was a parent, I would try to keep 
as much technology away from my kids as kids as I could until you know they were old enough to say go fuck yourself and use it anyway um and I I would do that because I would want them to not be as dependent as their peers on it because I think it is it, it is an addiction for a lot of people and it ultimately isn't a very productive one I think in a lot of people like when you're on social media for hours a day or doing anything on the internet it's it's often a very passive sort of thing and you're not contributing to yourself or others around you as much generally and then you know some people obviously create cool things and put it on there and do amazing things with the internet and that's cool too but most people don't um and so i would i try to keep it away from them as much as i could and also I'd, i'd love to live in a community sometime a mindful community with people who actively choose to not take part in the internet as as much as possible so they'd have like cohorts and groups of friends who aren't as addicted and there'd be like-minded parents out there who want to keep this from their kids as well because they see it as net harmful despite you know it's good property sometimes so for kids that grew up with social media and are still around that spot that they're addicted to social media do you think it would be more harmful or not to take away that from them or at least try to help them not be as addictive to it so i'm gonna go back to dopamine nation um this book really really has shifted my perspective on how i i live my life and see the world and the lady in that book who wrote it dr anna k something lemke kemke i don't know but she was saying that for most addictions you know if you take a month off your your brain will generally reset so the first two weeks will be worse and then the next two weeks you'll start getting better and then those dopamine receptors are going to kind of reset and you'll you'll be cool and she says the way and you'll you won't really be addicted anymore or as addicted and you'll be like more comfortable without your former addiction and what she says she explains to a lot of her patients she's a a psychiatrist who specializes in addiction and has a practice what she says she does with her patients is she just explains the neurochemistry of addiction asks them to take a month off and then see how they feel so the story starts out with this uh this chick who's a stoner she smokes 24-7, and she says it's for her anxiety. And she's like, if I don't smoke weed, then I feel shitty and anxious, so I smoke weed. And the doctor, the person who wrote this book, Anna, she was like, you know, why don't you try taking off for a month? And because smoking like this is generally not good for you. And the the person, or the patient did not want to smoke that much. And 
they didn't like their relationship with weed. So she's like, take a month off, see what happens. And so this chick took a month off of smoking weed, said it was hard at first. And then by the end of it, her anxiety was gone. And it really, the anxiety was in place mainly because she was smoking so much and she was so addicted to that, um, to weed really. And it, it is an addiction. It's not as addictive as some other substances, but it can be addictive like social media and other drugs. And she noticed that her anxiety was gone by the end. So I would think if I was to take away social media from a young adult under my care, I would try to explain to them what internet addiction is and what addiction looks like in the most fact-based scientific way I could say. And I would say, all right, take a month off. And then if you feel better by the end of it or like where your life's at more by the end of it, um, you know, we can reevaluate from there. So I would just, I would start with taking a month off and then proceeding from there. And they might, you know, stick with the quitting or, you know, if it was a problem. So the last question is kind of a big question. It's it's a driving question. Um, it's about five inches. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> how can society help and move forward with how social media influences teens? And should people like the president or positive influences, influences like Cristiano Ronaldo and Mr. B try to speak out about these issues? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> as far as the president goes, I don't know, man. Joe Biden, no. He's not going to do anything. No one's, no one's going to listen to the... No child is going to listen to the president. First of all, half of them, their parents are going to be against this, whatever current president's there. So if the kid agrees with their parents, they, uh, they're they not going to like the sitting president, won't listen to him. And for the half that do like the president, or whose parents do like the president, the kids might think, oh... Um, it's kind of like opinion-based. like Yeah, and this is... I, I don't think you're ever going to get someone old reaching a younger generation maybe obama could have done it because he was kind of cool but then again like half the country doesn't like the person in office so there's there's half of the people kids don't pay attention to politics yeah um yeah if you look at like when reagan did like dare programs you know no one listened to the president telling them not to do drugs dare was a massive massive failure um what about like positive influence okay. it's kind of like goes back to the in the question from before like listening to like who you trust but like what if it's just somebody like that's generally like like mr beast or christiana Ronaldo? yeah so there's a weird paradox because in order to reach that many people you have to use social media <laughs> um you just have to and I, I think it would be cool if there was more people of repute and famous, you know, famous people who say they're taking a break from social media and who actively choose not to and encourage others not to as well. Um, but the problem is they, they make so much of their money from 
being famous and using social media that it's hard. I would think it'd be hard for them to give it up, let alone encourage others to do it. And then if they, if they do, they might be losing out on money. And I, I mean, yeah, I'd love to see it because people do listen to celebrities. Um, you know, if you're listening to a celebrity for something like giving up social media, go ahead. But for your political beliefs, I'd stick to someone else. Um, yeah, I wish I, I wish it would happen more. And there there are celebrities who don't take part in social media. However, you don't hear about them as much because they're not on social media talking about it. And for the first half of the question, um, how can society help and move forward with how social media influences teens? So, like, how can we just help and move forward from, like, a big crisis? Or can we do it? I don't think we can. Um, I think social media is so profitable for those that own it and control it. You know, your Mark Zuckerbergs, your, your Google people... Uh, your, your TikTok guy, that it's so powerful that there's no motivation for it to become less of a part of our society. These just, these powerful interests are at play. So I think it, it has to come down to personal decisions for people to stop using it. Or if it really came down to it, like with the tobacco industry, like federal regulation for making these things less addictive though i i don't know how that would happen because you know how can you legislate something being less addictive um yeah the personal decisions or federal regulation is the only way i could see it becoming less of a part of our society um, so the, thank you guys for listening. Um, the, I just want to end off with one big question for all my viewers and listeners who are listening right now. I just want you guys to like think about, it's more of like a thought than a question. Um, I just want you guys to think about how social media is impacting you. And I want you guys to think about how, what you can do, or if you think you can do anything to just change, uh, social media or just change something about you to positively make yourself better, make people better, make society better so that we aren't just driven by social media because it can help people, but it can also drive people to insanity. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching um, or listening and uh, I'll get see you guys in the next podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening.